Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to The Body Protest, a podcast on body image, body politics, and of course, self-love. I'm Nadia Craddock, a body image researcher. And I'm Honey Ross, writer, producer, and activist. On this podcast, we combine storytelling with science to explore our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. On each episode, we are joined by some of our friends and heroes who are doing amazing work in this space to protest against body-based oppression and all the icky societal pressure to look a certain way. We hope that listening will help you on your journey to feel more at home in your body. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. Hi, honey. It's good to be recording again. It's very good to hear your voice. And even though the listeners cannot see this, we can see each other over the magical technology of Zoom. And it's very nice. Oh, it's so nice. It's a delight. Um, We've obviously been speaking with each other through lockdown, but we wanted to make it official again. We wanted to start recording. We have a brand new series coming up that's going to be released in the autumn, but we miss doing this so much, so we thought we would release some bonus content. We miss it so much. We miss each other so much. And we just know you're going to love series two. We have a phenomenal lineup of guests, including Stephanie Yeboa, Chidera Ejiru, and Jamie Windust, and so, so many more. Um, but, of course, we recorded those pre-pandemic and pre-the end of the world, so things are very different now. The landscape has changed, so we thought it makes sense to come back and, you know, do a little check-in. Yeah, so today's check-in, we're going to talk about how we have managed and got through lockdown and we thought it'd be nice to catch up on what we have been doing what we've been watching reading listening that kind of thing we are also going to talk about how lockdown and now coming out of lockdown has really heightened people's body image anxiety and ramped up diet culture bs so we thought we'd share a few reminders that might help if you're currently struggling to feel at peace with your body okay so let's get into it honey how how have things been Things have actually been all right. I mean, I think, look, it's no secret I'm a bit of a mental health bay. And uh, I feel like I've been preparing for lockdown my entire life because I have some reclusive tendencies already. So just having the government tell me to stay in, I was like, I would have been doing this anyway. Um, But I recently, my cat gave birth to one little kitten. Her name's Maura. She's a hairless cat and she's given birth to a beautiful hairless son called Maurizio. Uh, she obviously didn't pick the name. I did. Maura and Maurizio, they are both named after reality stars because I'm a classy broad. Um, but that's really been kind of keeping me going, having a small, tiny, fluffy kitten to kiss on the head. 
I'm still not over that picture you sent me of Moira and Maurizio, like, fondling each other. It's the purest thing I've seen. It's disgustingly, like, it's delicious. Like, they're so smitten with each other. Like, she's such a good mummy, and I'm just, I'm so in love with them both. Wait, before we go on, tell me, how are they doing? What are they up to? Maura took uh, the initiative to give birth on the centre of my bed, which has been, um, which has been something. Uh, so I'm currently co-sleeping with two cats, two very small, very strange cats, um, which is very sexy. But um, yeah, they're they're good. I mean, the kitten basically just like suckles and they just cuddle all the time and it's not even opened its eyes yet. It was born two days ago. I mean, by the time this comes out, it may be been a little bit longer, but he's pretty he's pretty damn fresh. Um so they just kind of nap and cuddle and yeah. I mean, right before we were on the line, I literally had to change my bed sheets because they were still the sheets that the kitten was born on. I, that makes it sound gorier than it was, but like I don't know why I'm telling people this. This like doesn't sound good or normal, but um, yeah, it's been a weird, it's been a strange week in my house. It's been very intense. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so funny. Um, but back to lockdown, I think it's really interesting because you and I have had slightly different experiences. So I did not enjoy lockdown. I am one hundred percent not a homebod. I am so used to having loads of activities, being really busy, really cramming my day full of stuff. Um, and I think obviously there's some like codependency there on like being super busy or whatever, but, um, I have really struggled. I've been like bouncing off the walls, like not knowing what to do with myself. And I also fully appreciate that I have been super lucky. I have been working all this time. I live in a nice part of the country in a nice flat. Like it's like there's been no like objective problem, but um yeah, I've just found it really difficult. And I mean, obviously now things are so much better because we can be like out and about and doing like normal things ish. Although I know that's like it still feels a bit weird, but yeah, lockdown for me was not was not. Um, I did not live my best life. Um, I don't know. I think there's something about like just being an extrovert as well, and I think people misunderstand what extroversion is. I think people assume it's it's a person who's like the loudest in the room, the person who needs to be centre of attention, like someone who's like very like ba 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 ba. And I'm not necessarily that person, but I mean, granted, I do like attention. But um, well, you are an Aquarius queen, obviously. We are such Aquarius and Pisces energy. I know, but did I tell you I'm Leo rising? So I'm Aquarius and Leo rising. So like independent but likes attention sum me up in four words better like i dare you of course i mean literally i'm pisces virgo rising which makes i mean tell me astrology's fake (laughs) pisces is like sad artistic horny and then virgo is like really neat and tidy and like chaotic (laughs) so i'm like yeah that sounds about right um love it well the shoe fits but back to the extra version thing so yes i do like attention but um so you gain your energy from being around people i think it's like in the same i'm an introvert and it doesn't mean that it's like i'm just like so sad and deep and it's like to read a book it's like i just need to read i can only recharge when i'm on my own being around people i love it but it's draining to me and it's you're the opposite of that where it's like you really come alive with other people and recharge and then when you're on your own that drains you Uh, yeah exactly couldn't say it better and it's completely that in terms of i feel energized by being with other people so 
being on my own, I find exhausting. And there've been so many memes that like, I feel like memes have got us through this whole lockdown. <laughs> oh God, we're so lucky to be like the meme generation. I know. But the extrovert memes, I'm like, I've never felt more seen. I'm like, yep, yeah, no, this is like for real, like a struggle. I'd be like, I, I fit so feel for you. I'm like, I absolutely cannot relate because I'm literally like, there's no one I'd rather spend time with than myself. Like I'm literally like... I've been doing a lot of like hugging my own like torso being like you're doing really well like a a comforting stroke on the arm which also if you haven't tried it I highly recommend. I I really need to learn to do that and that and that whole thing about the touch thing because also extrovert and very tactile and I live on my own there's no one to touch and I like I see people going to the supermarket or whatever and I'm like I just want to touch your arm like literally I'm like like come on just a little stroke. (laughs) I know. No, it's it's hard. I think the lack of contact is hard. It is. Yeah, you're a very tactile person. I think we both are. And I think that's been really difficult. And also, I think there's an, oh, you have to kind of, I found in lockdown, there's been a real element of having to overcome, like, feeling the weirdness of, like, having a dialogue with yourself and, like, like comforting yourself and finding you know meeting your own needs because you're the only person there to do so like I live with my best friend I'm like you know in a very privileged position for that but like we operate very differently and so you know I got a lot of needs I got a lot of physical needs I gotta you know I gotta pat my arm gently so I know that you know I'm alive but like I don't know I think it's been a real struggle for a lot of people that lack of kind of contact it's fucking hard yeah and I think with all the technology that we have and being able to to zoom and see people and FaceTime, all of these things, obviously really grateful for all of that, but it's it doesn't quite hit in the same way. It's and also I think because I have to use Zoom and etc. for like work, so then you just get zoomed out. And it's like I literally cannot stare at a screen anymore. So that whole like zoom fatigue. I feel like the Zoom fatigue at the start of lockdown was the most insane thing of like everyone because everyone was so freaking out it was like hey i'm gonna facetime you in 10 minutes and you're like please leave me alone (laughs) like it's like you know it's so lovely to see people but there's something about when you're staring at a screen it's not quite the same thing and then it's just like you're both the person whoever you're on the line with if it's not work if it's social you're both being like yeah it's a weird time isn't it yeah very sad very stressful like it's same conversation was like the first month of lockdown was the same conversation with everybody i'm very glad we're through it I know, I know. I think, but also like going back to the Zoom thing, I think at the beginning it was, there was probably like a two week window where it was novel. So the quizzes, do you remember the quiz season? How could I fucking forget? <laughs> and the, like the, the glass of wine over Zoom. Like that was, it was fun for two weeks. It was fun for two weeks. And then, and then you're like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Cannot, absolutely cannot do this anymore. I went to a really stressful birthday Zoom and um I didn't know many people on it but I knew like one of my close friends came on it as well and he literally went on I saw him go on on his phone and he just was like nope and just literally checked out didn't even say goodbye to the person whose birthday it was and I was like oop I was like that we've reached peak lockdown it was like I'm literally making you know a French exit is that is that the phrase I think so I think so just like I'm out of you but um oh god I'm really glad that's over have you found that lockdown has improved your relationships with people I think some people potentially yes um I think I think definitely with some but I think what it's shown is like who the relationships that are very dependent on actually seeing someone in person and actually when you don't have to I think it's probably and I think other people have said this I'm sure other people have said this but in terms of how lockdown has helped with boundaries 
in terms of like who you reach out to and who you want to speak to, I think I've been a lot more selective in that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what I realised is all we've got now is our conversations and our relationships. And I think in that sense, it's like, I don't think my relationships have ever been so well tended to because what else is there to do? Like, of course, we're both working, but like, there's no excuse not to check in with the people you love now. And I think that's been really special. And also just knowing like, who's the person you actually want to text in the crisis? Like, when do you ever get that opportunity to see who your, you know, subconscious is calling out for when times are really rough? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting reflection. I think it's about like being deliberate as well in our relationships rather than being being like on that automatic pilot of like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like that's kind of cool. And it's not that I was doing things that I didn't want to do before. And I think now it's just being that little bit more intentional, right? Totally. I think we were all for so long saying yes to everything and just being like, yeah, of course, why not? Like, because why wouldn't you? And now you're like, wait, why would I though? Like, what, like, did I want to do that panel? Probably not. And now there's no panels in sight and it's quite lovely. Obviously a champagne problem. Um, what do you think's been the biggest revelation about yourself during the lockdown? Oh Lord. I wish I could give a completely different answer, but honestly, I think that what I have learned is that I am very dependent on being entertained, on having a plan, on knowing what's next, having something fun in the pipeline. So having evening plans, having something for the weekend, knowing that I've got something lined up for next month, I've got a trip planned, there's something that's going on outside of me. And I think when that's all stripped away, I think that it has been really hard. I have not overcome that. Although I have noticed it, which is probably the first step. I have found small ways to entertain myself, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, how about you? What what have you noticed? What have what have been your your takeaways? Uh, I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of. I feel like I've done probably too much self reflection and navel gazing because uh, you know it's my pastime. But um, <laughs> I think I I definitely think lockdown highlighted a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms that I've been using just like to get through and like even just like all of the memes like don't text your ex I'm like guess who texted me the minute lockdown happened and guess who I replied to and things like that you know not that that's long dead like that happened after you know I, I cut that off a couple of weeks into the lockdown but like just distractions that maybe aren't the healthiest things for me uh it definitely highlighted those and since then I feel like I don't know. I really like myself after this. I feel like I've done a lot of work on myself and it's actually quite nice to be like, oh, you know, you, you're really independent and you can look after yourself now. I, I feel like I can look after myself in a way that I couldn't before. That's lovely. That's really, that's something special to bring out of lockdown. I'm not sure if I'm there. Well, look, hey, there's always the second spike. You've got to... <laughs> I know, oh Lord. Don't even joke. Let's see if I can get locked lockdown right around two. Oh God. Um... Sorry, it's too dark. <laughs> and if not, there's always learning how to make sourdough. In terms of lockdown fads, I think I know your answer, but like of all of the like early days, like which ones did you buy into? Which ones did you not? Um, TikTok dances. You were a TikTok dance queen. Yes, I forgot. I forgot. But you know what? I did not download the app because I was like, I was a bit like, mm, you know, maybe not my generation. Uh, t- TikTok freaks me out. I'm like, oh, I'm not, this is not for me. But you're Gen Z. It's your people. 
by the skin of my teeth oh my god if they're my people I'm opting out like it's <laughs> it's so I go on there I'm like thank god I wasn't a teenager when this was out like the fact that like it was hard enough having to look like sexy and exciting on Instagram as a teenager like imagine having to like be good at dancing be funny be all of these things and also be like hot I'm like no that's too much pressure for teenagers like the poor teens I couldn't I couldn't take it I can't take it now I mean that's fair I am actually not very familiar with the world of TikTok but you know there you go apart from the dances I'd forgotten about that phrase actually it's well it feels like a lifetime ago doesn't it like Tiger King and normal people feels like 200 years ago did you do banana bread? I did a lot of banana bread. No, you know what? I don't like banana bread. <gasps> I mean, wow. Controversial. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I just don't care for it. I think I think I probably would eat a slice if it was given to me, but there's no way I'm going to be baking my own loaves. I mean, what am I going to do with it? Anyway, um, but I've told you this before. My favourite thing through lockdown has been I got a bike just before lockdown hit and I so I've been like going on my like daily cycles round about the, in the countryside around me and it's so so nice and I think it's one of those things that like, I've been to places I've never been before just like really really local and I think it's always just I'm always just as I say busy like I have places to go people to see things to do um yeah so that's been nice yeah, you're like, I'm not just going to go for a whimsical cycle or like a lovely stroll. And now we all were like, maybe I will. And it was so lovely. Well, yeah, I got really into it. You know, there's loads of sheep and cows. That was definitely at the beginning of lockdown. My, and But still to an extent now, like there's these four sheep that live in this city centre in this like green. And I'll like literally just go and see them every day. And we'll be like, these are now my pets. Like I am taking like full ownership of these sheep. Did you name them? I mean, obviously. Um, can we can we know? Can we know the names? <laughs> I don't know if I feel ready to disclose. <laughs> um, oh my god! <laughs> no, that's fine, Nick. If that's your private life, like that's between you and your four pet sheep. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pry. Tell me in private. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm really showing myself up. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed them. Sorry, I I announced that a cat gave birth on my bed. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Do not worry about it. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. I actually got quite worried for the sheep because it got quite hot, didn't it? Quite quickly, and they hadn't been sheared. And I was trying to find out who their actual owners are because I was like, who is going to shear these sheep? They're feeling very warm. They must be very warm in these. Did part? Did it cross your mind to be like, look, if nobody's going to shear them, it's going to have to be me. It's going to, you were like on Amazon, like looking at cheap shearing equipment, like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to commit. They're my children now. (laughs) I know, I didn't quite get there, but my sister's got, you know, my sister's got her little puppy and they had, they like sheared trough because you can't take them to the groomers or anything so and so I was like okay I need to watch this technique no just in case I was like can we can we do this my sheep but and then it was like lambing season also so not the, my four sheep were not did not have any lambs but out in the countryside seeing all the little lambs that was very enjoyable seeing spring and then like now going into summer so yeah I mean all of that very enjoyable like very enjoyable and I think it was a really good way of escaping from everything so escaping from my phone from what is going on in the world the news um just everything just to be like oh you know this is just very sweet and quaint and actually isn't the world beautiful you know I think just to kind of it felt very grounding in that way yeah 
it was a reconnection i think that we all kind of needed i think it was like a physical like you literally can't distract yourself by going to the pub or going out or doing these things you literally just have to look at what's around you and make the most of it and i think you know that's it's been difficult and like you said we've both been in very privileged positions to live in nice areas and be very fortunate in that way but i don't know i think it's i've been trying to look at the positives that have come out of this situation because i think if you dwell on the horror of it all you will just lose your mind um yeah i think that's a really good attitude to have and um you know i know i've been whinging but there are definitely positives to to come from this but at the same time there have been dark times you know it's it's a really difficult time for the world i know it's been dark it's a lot yeah i literally my housemate my best friend lulu honestly I, it got so dark at the start, all I would listen to was Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters, the album that came out at the start of lockdown, on a loop. Like, it was all I could tolerate. It was all I could... And Lulu was like, if I hear this album one more time, honey, I'm going to call your parents. Like, I'm going to... Like, please stop listening to Fiona Apple. It's very sad, whiny white woman music. Like, I cannot handle this right now. And I was like, it's all I can handle. Back to Pisces. You know, back to Pisces. Back to Pisces. <laughs> oh god very emotional so I know we've both been very busy with work I know you've got a lot of secret projects that we can't talk about but what's happening well I think look I'm I'm a boring writer I'm just doing my I mean it, it is quite funny because I think a lot of no I think I just I always find it funny because so many people so many people who, who do I think I am but a lot of people on Instagram used to DM me being like what do you actually do for a living you just seem to just like wander around and take selfies and I'm like yes but um I'm actually a writer and I just don't post about it a lot um and then like I started writing for some publications which definitely made people go oh because she actually is a writer she's not just uh, got that in her Instagram bio but um I've been actually working on some really exciting projects which I can't really talk about but one's a really personal one that I've literally been working on for I mean, kind of came up with the concept when I was 17, but I've been working on it for the last two years um, and finally got a green light on that. So I'm going ahead with that. I mean, look, my, nothing might ever come from it, but it's very exciting. Um, but yeah, it's and also it's been an interesting time where I've definitely decided to take a step back from Instagram and I've deleted it off my phone. And that's been really nice. Wait, are you happy to talk about that? How are you finding it? What provoked it? Honestly, I think stuff happened with my family in the media which I'm sure a lot of people are aware of and I was getting a lot of uh quite disturbing transphobic dms and I think it just made me go like I don't want people to have this much access to me I don't think it's good for my mental health I don't think it's good for anyone and also I think I'm having tough conversations with my family like everyone is right now. I think we're all having conversations about, you know, what's going on in the world because there's a fucking lot going on in the world. But most people have the luxury of having those conversations in private, whereas my conversations with my family are on the mail online. I don't want that. I really value my privacy in a way that I didn't before after lockdown. And I think I owe it to myself to actually see what kind of person I am without um, a constant audience and a constant witness to my life <laughs> and it's been really nice I, I really like it yeah I completely respect that I, it makes a lot of sense to me and it goes back to boundaries again right doesn't it? it I mean I can only imagine what 
it must be like to have those kinds of conversations in public. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, and like, look, not to be like, boohoo, woe is me. Like, I think having parents in the public eye has afforded me a lot of luxuries and a lot of lovely things in my, you know, I've had a lovely life. But I think, I don't know, there's something about like, I never had a chance to be a private person. Like, in my teenage years, that was taken out of my hands. I never had the luxury of being a private person because, which was one of the reasons I flocked to social media, because I went, well, if people are going to be writing about me anyway, I might as well be in control of how I'm coming across. And I think that was, you know, a lot of me being on Instagram in the way I was, was a reclamation of self, but I don't need that anymore. I know who I am and the people I care about know who I am and I don't need to prove that to anyone right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm past it. I've grown, I've leveled up. But anyway. <laughs> that makes complete sense. And I think it's like the two layers there, right? In terms of like growing up in the public eye and then also on social media, like social media wasn't around when I was a teenager, you know, it wasn't a thing. So it's that kind of like whole other where it just makes everything everything feel so performative and on social media where you kind of have to like create this persona and it's and I think always as, as much as and I think you always have been like a and I kind of cringe at this word but like an authentic person on Instagram but I think it's always still going to be a persona and, a, and an art of who you are right like it's you you're never gonna it's and like you don't want that right you don't want to show everyone every inch and the best of the best and the worst of the worst I think it's showing it's showing snippets but it's always going to be created in some kind of way um and then how that feels you're always thinking about yourself from the outside in how people are viewing you completely to an extent and also I think it didn't feel authentic anymore and my the whole, you know, I only enjoyed Instagram because it felt authentic and it felt natural and it felt easy. Because, you know, sharing is something that I really enjoy doing. I love talking to other people and talking and, you know, I, I, I love talking and conversations and connection. Like, those are my favourite things. But it didn't feel authentic anymore. Uh, well, it was honestly after what happened to George Floyd. I just, after everything with Black Lives Matter and those conversations where I went I can't go back to posting selfies of me in a bikini it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel authentic and I actually don't think I don't know I think my time as an exciting young activist and influencer is actually kind of probably over and I think it's time to pass that on to more interesting diverse voices you know I am a middle class small scale fat you know influencer that's not groundbreaking in any way Whereas there are so many, we'll link in the show notes, so many incredible, like, young black influencers who are finally getting their voices heard. And I'm like, I don't need to take up space in this conversation. This, like, this isn't, I'm not, it's not productive. But anyway. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I think also, like, you're not just an influencer, right? Like, that's not always been your, like, one go-to. It's never been my goal. I, like, I, I'm even apprehensive to use the term influencer. Like, I don't, um, I've never really aligned with it. Honestly, my goal was mainly to be sent free things. <laughs> like, being brutally honest, I probably shouldn't say that. And and then I kind of suddenly realised, oh, actually, I've got quite a lot of sway. And that's the difference between the amount of followers I had to the amount of followers I had have now. I used to maybe get, like, abusive comments about my body once every couple of months and I'm fine with that I'm you know I've grown up with that my whole life and then I don't know gaining the amount of followers that I did quite quickly I don't really know why I think I just I got featured in a couple of things like I, d I wasn't aware of where they were coming from but it just made me a target for a lot more harassment from men and people being horrible about my body and I was just like I'm good <laughs> I'm like why do I need to hear this I'm like 
And I'm like, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to have these fights with these people. Like, I don't need to justify my health or my body or any of these things to these people. Like, like I said, like, I know who I am and I'm comfortable with myself. And like, I don't know. Why do these people have access to me? Completely. Yeah, completely. I think it's something that's very interesting more broadly thinking about how we all navigate social media. But I think, yeah, getting unsolicited comments about about you, like you can, it's for you to be able to say like actually no this is not what I want as well like I like I don't need that well it's also like practicing what I've preached which is boundaries and preserving your mental health and looking after yourself and I'm like I wouldn't be doing that it, again it comes back to the authenticity thing I wouldn't be being authentic if I stayed on the platform it doesn't feel right now like I'm not saying I'm gone forever and I will come back on to post resources and talk about the podcast and things like that but and taking a step back in the way that I use it. Like, it doesn't need to be a constant stream of consciousness in the way that it used to be. Yeah, which was, you know, going back, it was fun. Like, it was fun. I think a lot of people did enjoy your content. I had fun. I loved it. <laughs> I always think of you as someone on thinking about who you are and how you presented on social media and, like, your stories in particular was just, like, that kind of um, really unique balance of being emotional and sensitive but also very funny you know like it I think you were able to do that really well in a way that not many people do and I think I can see why you did have as many followers as as you garnered over the the years or whatever because I think it's very compelling and engaging and you know it's a bit different when you're like scrolling through your stories or whatever and it's kind of like something it's like it's entertainment in that way it's like it's entertaining it's diverting so you know thank you no, and like, I don't want to shit on the platform. I think it's amazing. And like, I love the platform. I think it's amazing. It's just, it's not what it used to be to me. And that's okay. Relationships change. Um, But anyway, I am boring. Let's talk about the most exciting thing, which is... <laughs> you, are, you are not boring. You're my favourite. Um, Thank you. You're my favourite. Um, And speaking of which... My favourite has finished her PhD. How do you feel? Oh my goodness. Um, very relieved. It, I feel weird, honestly. So I did my... To like outline how the PhD process works very succinctly because it's long and boring. But it's a generally like a three-year process and then you submit like a big book of like all the work that you've done, which you call a thesis. So it's like 80,000 words. So it is like quite literally a book and I'll just show I've actually got it here because I'm doing my corrections right now big fat thick piece of work but I submitted that back in January and then what happens next is that it gets sent off to a couple of examiners they read it and then you have your viva or what they call in the US a defense where you your examiners read it and then ask you questions about it and then you have to defend your work so I had that, it was supposed to be back in March and then again, long and boring story, but it got like rescheduled a million times, which was very annoying, but you know, Corona getting in the way. And then, um, but I had it the other week and it was, it was good. You know, it was like, it was good just to wrap something up in a bow. I think it's been like a tab that's been open in my head for a long time and it's nice to actually start putting um, a little box around it and being like, okay, this is done. It's something that's like complete. So there we go. It's closure. Yes, exactly. And it's also the most incredible achievement. I mean, like, huge round of applause for Nadia. What you have done is incredible. My academic angel. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's good. I just feel weird and I kind of feel like I should feel super excited, but I just, I just don't. I don't know. I completely understand once you get... Sometimes you think you're going to get 
to the end of I mean this is purely me speaking from experience of writing like a script or something but you know you think you're gonna feel like incredible and just like wow but like I think it's 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 heavy because I think you can't overlook like the difficulty of the journey of getting to the end of the piece I think it's very very hard like writing anything especially a piece that's 80,000 words like you did is really taxing it's really emotionally draining and I think it's understandable that you're not like yeah like it's like of course there's an element of that but it's like it's it for better or for worse the experience however you found it it was something that took up a lot of your time and a lot of your life and I think it's you know figuring out what what's next and that's a weird feeling for anyone yeah and I think the the thing that I've been very fortunate with is the what's next has already started right so like I've started back in October working as a research fellow and like doing some work that I really really love so I think that's where the PhD becomes really valuable in terms of like it's been um a springboard to be able to do what it is that I want to do so working to have impact in a way that I wouldn't be able to in any other kind of setting I think that's that's been what's been really powerful about it I think so and I don't know we'll we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about like my work another time your work another time I think it'd be something that it could be really interesting to kind of get into and understand we work in very we we work in industries with a lot of kind of uh, mystery around them (laughs) almost like how do they actually operate how does a sausage actually get made and I think and also how there are a lot of flaws within both of our industries that I think are worth talking about like um we'll definitely do an episode on each of those things yeah it's like the flaws and then potential right like the how both of our industries can make huge impact in terms of body image and how people think and feel about the way they look like it's really powerful completely it's really powerful which is I think why it's so important to talk about it's very exciting it is very exciting um Okay, tell me what you've been reading. What have I been reading? Honestly, not actually that much. I feel like I've not had the cognitive bandwidth to really get stuck into novels, which I normally would lo- would like to read. But I read some really interesting think pieces. I'm actually trying to think of any good examples right off the top of my head. But I think people have gone one or, or the other direction with reading. I think people I know either have read Buckets over the past three months or like not at all and I'm definitely in the pretty much not at all camp on the reading front how about you I think I mean I found it like almost impossible to read at the start of lockdown but in the last month or two I found it really good and enjoyable I think especially since I kind of went off Instagram or I've been going on Instagram in a different way I've had so much more time so uh, I've been reading a lot of like I've read two Murakami novels. I read uh, Dance, Dance, Dance and Norwegian Wood, which when I told my friends I was reading that, they were like, that's Harry Styles' favourite novel. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that information. Um, I've also been reading Me and My White Supremacy by Leila F. Saad. Uh, and I've been reading Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings, um, The Origin of Fat Phobia, um, which is great. Uh, very interesting, very depressing. I've been like, the only thing I can bear to watch at the moment, and I know you relate to this, is like, I need to switch my brain off so all I can watch is The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I've watched about five seasons in about four weeks. It's really bad. <laughs> I love how we have both been watching that. And I, you know my relationship with TV. Like, I don't actually watch much TV in normal times. I think partly because 
of my like frantic busyness that I have has been identified as an issue through this lockdown experience but then also I get too emotionally invested in my shows so then can't switch off and I remember I can't remember I mean, it was like a couple of years ago and I was like feeling just so stressed like every day like really like up uptight stress but there was nothing wrong in my life like everything was nice and then I kind of like the light bulb clicked and I was like it's because I'm watching Suits the most chaotic show in the world and I was like I need to stop watching this because it's mayhem they have not got their shit together and it's not good for me so and I just like stopped watching tv after that for about two years because I was like I can't my brain cannot take all of this I love that you feel it that deeply I'm, I'm right there with you I completely I get that invested I think it's it's hard not to I think especially like in this uh, prestige era of uh, scripted television, it's very hard not to get so invested in these fantastic, well-rounded characters. Um. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Not sure Suits is the best example of that, but but sure. Um. <laughs> I mean, it was good enough for Megan, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've actually never seen Suits. I didn't know that you were a Suits stan, or at least once was. No, and it was, but you know what? It was because of Megan, because I was like, she was in it. I kind of wanted to familiarise myself with her. And then I just got sucked in. And it, you know, when you're like, I'm watching it, I don't know really what I'm... What am I getting from this? No, I think... I know, but I just... Well, I think if anything has been made more apparent in lockdown is where you direct your attention, that's valuable. And that's, you know... How you choose to spend your time is valuable. And I think, I mean, just even in terms of like the rituals of doing things that make us feel grounded and sane, like how you choose to spend your time is important. And I think if you're spending time on watching something that's like spiking your adrenaline, like Suits was, it's not worth it. I think like that's real self-care is checking in with yourself and going like, why why do I feel tense and stressed and sad? Oh, it's Suits. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Again, I do not think this podcast episode is making me come off <laughs> in a really balanced way. But anyway, but there, there we go. Okay, so what do you make of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I am obsessed with it. Uh, it's all I think about and it's all I want to watch. Um, who's your favourite housewife? <laughs> housewife? Who's your favourite housewife? <laughs> You know what? I switch. My loyalties switch like the wind. Um, oh, God. Set, well, because they che- they grow so much. I've never seen such growth. <laughs> I mean, I've only watched the first season or series, whatever it is. Um, I will say, come season two, they have done a lot of work on themselves. Like, I think I that was something I found really... I mean, I feel like I could do a TED talk on Real Housewives. I, I love it so much <laughs> because I think it's one of the few shows that I've sh- like seen actually effectively show someone going on like a really intense therapy journey. I mean, Camille comes back season two, a completely new person, like so centered, so calm, like not like has figured out conflict resolution, like is a fully rounded person. It's the most incredible thing. And then by season three, she's gone because she's like, I don't need this. It's like the most incredible journey. And then I think it's interesting because I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a lot of trauma that happens to one of the housewives, which gets addressed in a very intense, well, I mean, gets addressed in a very real housewives, really weird way where you're like, sorry, what? You're just going to drop that in. But you see some, you know, you see a lot of people dealing with a lot of dark stuff. And I think it's interesting because it is this, you know, 
it's presented as a very throthy reality TV show. And for a lot of, in a lot of circumstances it is, but they're dealing with like alcoholism, domestic abuse, like all of these, I mean, like, it's really, they really get into it. Huh. Okay, well, I've not, I've not got there yet. So strap in is all I can say. It's like, oh mama, like a lot happens. And I think, but what's like quite, what I find fascinating because I do, I, I have a real, uh, I think reality TV, when done right, is such a pure art form because these producers are having to, you know, weave a narrative out of thin air. And they probably just thought this is going to be an easy ride. It's going to be a show with ladies fighting and talking about bags and talking about expensive things. And instead, these producers were forced to handle these really, really sensitive, really, really big topics. And I think that has been one of the things I found most interesting about watching it. And also, I think just like in terms of a character study, you get these women have everything, but most of them are miserable. And like most of them still have issues like we do. Like all of them have body image issues, huge body image issues. On the season I'm on, this new woman has just joined who I really just do not vibe with. I really don't like her. She's called Carlton. Like, I'm sure she's fine in real life, but on the show, she is not painted well. But it's very interesting because, you know, you've got these immensely thin women who conform to this kind of very unattainable beauty ideal, yet all of them seem to have huge body image issues and are miserable. And I find that so interesting of like, without them meaning to, that is not even an element of the show that's really addressed, but like, and it was made in the early 2000s, like the early seasons, but it's fascinating to see that like even women with everything and the ideal body type and all of this, there is still an immense pressure and pain around that because of just the world we live in. Yeah, and I think that also highlights, I think that something that comes up with body image and how people understand body image is like you can have body image concerns negative body image whatever you want to call it across the spectrum I think sometimes that gets lost body image isn't about what you look like body image is about your relationship to your body it's about how you think and feel about your body it's not about what you look like and I think we need to it's like dispelling that myth of like if you lose 10 pounds whatever like you will then transform your body image like changing your body does not change your relationship with your body you know I think that comes up over and over and I feel people still get stuck on and I think that's that show is a good example of that again where you see these women who look quote-unquote perfect but still have these like mega mega issues and concerns and it's it's sad well like won't even get in the swimming pool you know what I mean like won't get in the swimming pool and they're all like oh I've had kids you're like I can't believe like you you beautiful amazing like cool women it's like no uh, it's really heartbreaking and it's and I think it's interesting because I think it's the moments of reality within the show where you actually see just a a tiny slip behind the mask you know what I mean and I think that's what I find really fascinating about it because obviously like there's literal like huge fights and people like throwing drinks at each other and it's very broad and very camp and fantastic and I adore it but there is also just this very um occasionally you just get such a kind of sliver of humanity and it's really interesting to watch okay well I'm gonna look forward to strapping in as you say and getting into it before we wrap up shall we just touch on how people are thinking and feeling about their bodies now 
how I know there's a lot of pressure now people are coming out of lockdown and like seeing people again people are feeling a bit anxious about what they look like if their bodies have changed I know also there's even more what feels like anyway even more like diet culture type content coming out and being like okay this is how we're gonna lose that lockdown weight I don't know how you feel about this but I definitely feel like I don't want to sound too negative because that's not nice to hear but I do feel like lockdown has felt like a huge step back in terms of like the direction we were going in terms of language and the way we talk about our bodies and the way we feel about our bodies I think all I don't know if it has been a step back or people have just felt more empowered to talk about weight loss and talk about dieting again they're like oh finally like we are distracted we can talk about hating our bodies again and I'm like no we were doing so well come on um I think you're right in the fact that it's because we have been distracted and I think also weight becomes when there is so much societal anxiety it's nice to focus on something small and that's where diet culture really comes into its own because it allows you to then really turn inwards and focus on your body you can't control anything that's going on with the pandemic but like you know can you drop a dress size can you get defined abs can you whatever it is like and I think that's it becomes it becomes a distraction it becomes a way of coping and I think you see that at the extremes right like eating disorder is a, a big component with eating disorders has a there's an element of control for many people right because it's like not being able to process negative emotion and anxiety so I think it's obviously that's on a spectrum but I think it's something to think about in terms of how this climate has really opened up and allowed diet culture to come out and be like okay here's a, a solution for you to and like actually here's a, a we have so many problems I think what's come out over the last three months is this awareness of all of these problems all of these health inequities uh racial inequality just all of these big big things that are coming out that I think feel so overwhelming and then so what diet culture comes along and does and be like be like okay well let's look at this problem here which is your body and then that it becomes much easier to then focus on your body than it is to focus on all of the inequality and chaos and injustice there is in the world. Completely. No, I think that's spot on. I think that's exactly what's been happening. And I think that's why it's so insidious and so dangerous because it kind of, you know, I think diet culture, you know, kicks us while we're down and likes to kind of get in when people are vulnerable and I think that's what's been happening. And I think there's been so many, I mean, God, again, coming back to TikTok, but like the amount of kind of diet culture body shaming TikToks that I've seen just purely through, I have a friend who's quite big on TikTok now and she's um, a body positive influencer and she, you know, has been facing this insane level of just discrimination and hate and it's just hideous um, to see. But I don't know. I hope, I hope that maybe when things go back to normal, like we can start back on this track. But it's uh, a little bit stressful. <laughs> it is stressful. And it's also upsetting and disappointing. Like the fact that it's 2020 and we're mid-pandemic and fat phobia is loud as ever. I think we really need to open our eyes to that and think more critically about what that means. Like We know size doesn't equal health. We know that. We know dieting does not make you healthier. In fact, quite the opposite. We know body shaming doesn't make anyone any healthier. Again, quite the opposite. 
And I think we need to be really cognizant of that. And I think also thinking about how diet culture plays into health inequities. It plays into racism. We need to we need to start connecting the dots in a much bigger way. Um anyway, any um any thoughts or tips or things that you found helpful? Look, thoughts your thoughts aren't facts. You know what I mean? I think that's something I've been finding comforting. I think it's being able to take a step back from thoughts that we have, whether they are ones that are, you know, old coping mechanisms, old you know, I think it's very easy to slide back into negative coping mechanisms. And I think we've all been doing that in thought processes. And being able to have a thought, acknowledge a thought and go, no, we don't do that anymore. We don't think like that anymore. It's easier said than done. And I'm aware that that's a hard thing to do. But I think having that separation from your thoughts and acknowledging that sometimes they're coming from a place of past hurt and trauma and things like that, you know, I'm just greeting yourself with kindness, I think is like a huge step of just kind of, I don't know, you have to be able to soothe and comfort yourself when you have those thoughts and feelings. And I think a lot of people feel maybe uncomfortable doing that or feel like it's self-indulgent. But I think right now, you just got to lean in. Like like right now, if there's ever a time to lead into self-indulgence, I think this is the time is now for that completely. And I think the other thing that I know a lot of people are stressing about is like seeing people for the first time after lockdown, so after three months, and if their body has changed or not. And I think maybe your body has changed, maybe it hasn't, right? I think on balance, some people are going to be slightly bigger, slightly softer. Some people are going to be slightly smaller. Most people, I I imagine, will stay roughly the same because that's what our bodies want to do. Our bodies want to stay the same. So even if you do eat and move slightly differently, like your body still generally stays roughly the same. But, you know, if it changes really what does it matter really what does it matter like when you're seeing your friends if they are true friends if they are people who love and care about you for you they will not give a flying fudge about what you look like if your body changes like like they would like they wouldn't care and I think most people don't even notice right like I generally can't tell I look I'm I'm also not paying attention to that right like when if I see a friend I'm not like sizing them up and seeing like trying to make that kind of assessment right I'm not like it's not something that even goes through my mind so I think you're always going to be your worst enemy with that kind of thing in terms of how you self-scrutinize so I think also like dial that down and really focus when you are seeing your friends for the first time or people you care about or whatever like really focus on the connection with them and catching up and doing all the things that you want to do and really kind of push down that like you know have I gained two pounds or whatever it is like it like it truly doesn't matter on the grand scheme of things well the fact is everyone has survived a huge mass trauma which is a global pandemic which I don't think any of us could have seen happening in our lifetimes that doesn't sound right lifetimes I think you need to you know practicing self-compassion is so important right now because this has been a really fucking rough time and like you said like I think a lot of people's I mean, the element of control that is with food and body image is a difficult one to cope, and especially if people are recovering from eating disorders, that's very, very difficult. I, you know, I've got a pretty good relationship with body image and food, but even I found it difficult in terms of suddenly you are having to cook every meal for yourself. You are having to look after yourself in a way that you haven't before. Like, you know, you're not going, you're not getting a prep for lunch. You, you know, you are fully in control of what you're consuming, and I think that is really overwhelming. And I think of course our bodies were going to change 
it's you know it's we're human yeah and I don't know I think obviously there's a spectrum and I think it's as you say really important to be self-compassionate and I think particularly for people who have really struggled with body image and like have eating disorder histories or current eating disorders or whatever it 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 is really challenging but I also think especially when we're thinking about this from uh, a lens of people who are in positions of power I think thinking about the message that weight gain is the worst possible thing that can happen throughout a pandemic I think that's really problematic you know I think that really highlights the privilege that's in the wellness diet culture realm and I think again it's really important to be critical of that and and really reflect on what that means and what that's telling you but also you know what it's a distraction I think the fact is the government or the media focusing on weight gain it's a fucking distraction because they don't want us to be, you know, acknowledging the fact that the way they've handled this situation has been an absolute shit show. If they can say like, oh, God forbid your BMI, like, which is bullshit anyway, has gone up. It's like the fact is, like, I mean, people in the overweight BMI are pretty sure are statistically meant to live longer. I think I read that. I mean, I'm going to find that. and it, It's a distraction. Like, if they can be like, hey, hey, remember, you don't like your body. You know, it's a complete diversion tactic. It's a smokescreen. Like, they're making you focus on something that's unimportant. Like, you know what actually matters? It's like, you know, who gives a shit if you're fat? Like, I'm fat. The the thing I care about is, like, do I like myself? Do, you know, am I a nice person? Am I a good person? Like, I think that's what it comes down to. It's like, why? Yeah, and I think that's, it's really, it comes back to what you are saying before about social media and, like, reclaiming, like, who's owning your story, right? And who's owning your... Um, how you relate to yourself I think like wh- why are we letting people tell us like how we should think about our own bodies like like no like absolutely like it's your body it's like your one precious life like like no like you don't need to be dictated to in, in terms of like you know what your BMI should be because it's it's complete BS I think that's a lovely note to end on well it was lovely to speak to you honey it feels like and to, for it to be official and recorded you know we obviously we speak very regularly but you know for it to be on the record and we are really excited to to yeah put out our series too in the autumn so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it when it comes out we are also going to put out another little bit of bonus content between now and then so again watch out for that perfect but we are very excited for what's to come thank you so much for listening to the body protest We would love it if you rate, subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Rumour has it, it helps other people find our podcast. Honey, oh well, this is interesting. Where can we find you on social? (laughs) (laughs) You can just about find me on social media still on at honeykinney. And you should also follow the Pink Protest, even though we're a little bit quiet on there too at the moment. Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at nadia.craddock on Instagram. This podcast was brought to you by The Pink Protest. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. 
everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>